welcome to the first inclusive mosque feminist brunch podcast um i'm here with sophia andrew she is a anarcho feminist and a graphic designer um and sufa actually does a lot of the inclusive mosque graphic design so we're yeah, very I'm grateful to secret her. graphic designer you are, you're the, you're the, you're the reason we look less dodgy than we actually are. Um, but yeah, to thank you, for, first of all, for all your graphic design stuff. And thanks also for agreeing to kind of co-host the Inclusive Most Feminist Brunch with us. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. So the like, format usually is that we have a quote-unquote expert speak on a topic that is that they understand really, really well. Um, and then we discuss it afterwards. Um, and I'm going to be chairing on Saturday. I'm Neymar, I'm the social media manager for the Inclusive Mosque, I'm also on the board. So the Feminist Brunch was kind of something that I started for the Inclusive Mosque based on um, a really cool organisation that runs in New York called Continuum, previously Feminist Dialogue, uh, and a good friend of mine, Julian Foster, runs that, and um, I thought this was a really good idea, essentially creating a space for anyone who identifies as a feminist to sit down and talk about issues that affect feminists and the inclusive mosque because of our inclusive principles we try to be as approachable as possible and as accessible as possible so that means opening up this sort of discussion to as many different types of feminists as possible which includes people of all genders so anyway getting back to the theme of next week or the coming week rather it's anarcho-feminism or well, no it's self-governance that's what we're talking about I mean I think that's that's a nice broad term I think anarcho-feminism when you say that it seems quite like what is this theoretical kind of degree like level dissertation yeah. topic but self-governance I think everyone sort of understands that and that's quite a nice yeah. entry and the reason yeah. I kind of mushed those two mm-hmm. terms together and I'm using them synonymously whether I should or I shouldn't mm-hmm. probably shouldn't um, is because of a discussion that we had when yeah, I yeah. first met you mm-hmm. um, and you were talking about anarcho-feminism and I was like what is that is that <laughs> is that the chaotic thing that mm-hmm. I assume it to be because mm-hmm. of the associations of, with the word anarchy mm-hmm. and you said no it's just self-governance and that completely resonated with me because yeah. I thought that is something that I've been striving to do for a very long time since mm-hmm. at least university is to govern myself and not be too easily led by others or mm-hmm. easily persuaded by others but to make my own decisions and you had another label for it, it seemed, mm-hmm. which was anarcho-feminism. Mm-hmm. So can you, can you start by telling us a little bit about the underlying ideas of anarcho-feminism? So anarcho-feminism essentially is anarchism, which we'll go on to a sort of deconstruct in a minute. But it puts feminism and at the forefront of that. So we live in a patriarchal society, it's run by capitalism, there's a lot of hierarchies within that. And if you want to just like kind of deconstruct those hierarchies, you can't do that without putting feminism at the forefront because patriarchy is one of those kind of constructs that's holding us back. And for me, that's essentially anarcho-feminism. And anarchism is, like we were saying, self-governance. It's how you, the individual, can sort of have no, no authority apart from yourself in mm-hmm. that sense. And I think there's a micro level to that and a micro and a macro level to that. So it's how you govern yourself on the inside as well as how you, how you kind of govern yourself, you know, how communities are governed. So I don't know if you want to go to the point of what anarchism is. Maybe we could jump to that. Yeah, because I did so have I think questions was, about the association with yeah. the word anarchy and chaos and yeah. unruliness and mm. irrationality. Like kind of riots on the streets. Riots on the streets. Like a couple of molotovs in your hand and like masked up for like a day out. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think there's probably a bit of that, but... Um, <laughs> I don't. I, that's not anarchism in the same sense. I think um, 
often, like, when someone says they're an anarchist or they're, like, kind of on the radical left, you imagine some really shitty white guy running around shouting, no gods, no masters. Uh-huh. And I'm like, no, mate, go home. This isn't, <laughs> this isn't your time, this isn't your place, because that's, that's not what anarchism for me, and probably for the majority of people that aren't essentially cis white men, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's not anarchism for us. Um, anarchism is um, rule without government, rule without state, um, and rule without leaders, because who knows better for the community than the community itself? The government can't speak for you in the same way that your community can speak for itself, and there's a real power within that. It's about kind of putting the power away from this hierarchy and having mm-hmm. this sort of flat base levels and standing where everyone is equal, everyone's voice is just as important and just as strong, um, and everyone's word is, you know, essentially equality in that sense. Um, and it's different by communities, it's self-organised. So self-organised is really, really important in the sense that, you know, groups getting together and organising and taking action within that. So while you kind of get this idea of, like, anarchists running around the streets, it's not that. We, you know, there is organisation, there is structure within it, but at the same time it's structureless in the sense that no one is in charge, everyone's autonomous and doing it all together, and everyone sort of is prioritising the, in the individual. But at the same yeah. time, the understanding of the community. I think that's some. I mean, for me, that lot resonates a lot from what I've heard with Islam as well. You know, your internal faith and in who you are, as well as who you are within the community, with you know, or you know, your fellow Muslim. There's there's a lot of that kind of duality between yeah. the two, and I think that that's what I feel anarchism is. So yeah, it's non-hierarchical, it's opposing authority in every form, um, and I think this is where that whole no gods, no masters sort of idea comes from which I, I wholeheartedly disagree with, because that's alienating. It's alienating to people of faith who, whose politics are just as radical as yours. But, you know, I, I, yeah. I mean, one God, no master. No, you know, maybe. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it also kind of assumes that the relationship with God is, is purely one of governance authority. and yeah, authority. Yeah, as opposed to something that's so much more than that. Yeah. That's, that's a really good point. Yeah, and not, I mean... As you're talking, I'm thinking of a million other questions to yeah, ask you yeah. about, well, where does democracy fit in then? And mm-hmm. isn't democracy supposed well, to be it? this very first system of rule? But I'm also thinking that we should save a lot of this for actually on yeah, Saturday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and open one mm-hmm. of this up then. But Definitely. Um, I did want to ask you a bit mm-hmm. about what you talked about is kind of... You talked about in a kind of theoretical sense about yeah. what it could be, what it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, in, what are the real-life implications for that? What does it look like? Um, so... Yeah, I think a lot of this, when you're talking about it, it sounds like an idealistic thing that, like, it would never really exist in the real world. But it does, in so many places, and I've seen it. Like, there's those really amazing activist groups that work together on an autonomous, kind of non-hierarchical level, and they get stuff done. I think um, something like um, Sisters Uncut, who are this brilliant kind of activist kind of group who do stuff... Um, they started off protesting cuts against domestic violence, um, and then they recently had an occupation where they occupied this sort of house, I think it's in Peckham Rye. And um, so that was all done on a hierarchical level, in the sense that only on that house, you know, um, my friend Lily went there and she helped plumb the sink for it. And she did that not because, you know, she had to. She didn't even. She wasn't even occupying the house. She sort of came in just to be a part of that group and help help out her sisters mm-hmm. in that way. And I think that that's when you know this self organising, this kind of claiming the space and doing it for the community, kind of comes in together. That no no one, there was no hierarchy. No one was in charge, but everyone's sort of chipping in. Everyone's putting just as much work in, and that is how I see anarchism kind of being envisioned. And everyone was governing themselves. They were all going for the you know fighting for that one cause. 
which against the authority of yeah. the government and the cuts right now. But at the same time, they're all this one really strong collective. And I think I think that's a really good example of how maybe radical left wing politics that are non hierarchical can and self governing sort of come into shape. I think. I mean, we should probably... I keep thinking we should save all of this for Saturday, but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can go over some of the bits, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean one of the questions I think is inevitably going to be brought up at the branch mm-hmm. is how do you get stuff done without a leader? And it, not even, mm-hmm. like, a authoritarian leader, mm-hmm. but just someone saying, let me head this project. Yeah. And we'll, we'll make the decision by this time. I'll set the yeah. deadlines. This is how it's going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the practicalities of trying to get a group together where mm-hmm. everybody has different priorities, they mm. study in different places, they work in of different course, places, yeah, yeah. they've got childcare issues, mm. geographically, you know, things aren't simple yeah. in this country, takes co- train costs are a lot, and just mm. just the basic realities of that stuff. Um, so, I've been involved in variety of activist groups, and the way they function is non-hierarchical, in the sense that no one, no one person is in charge. It means that we all pull our own weight, but in the sense that we have an understanding, like you say, not everyone can make it, not everyone can do this, and then you show that solidarity, and so it's right, okay, so everyone sort of chips in for train fare, or someone, you know, is on bail, so we'd all, we'd all chip in and make sure that, you know, that's okay for them, or like, someone needs a lift here, but because it's related to our kind of thing, so we all chip in and we'll make that happen, I, we don't, we take care of our own sort of thing, yeah. and um, what, was the, what was the first bit that had a really, had a good comeback? <laughs> I was saying, how do you yeah. get stuff done with oh, yeah, How do you get stuff done? So, like, we let's say you're having a meeting. Yeah. Um, you can appoint someone to chair that meeting. That doesn't devalue a hierarchy. It just means there's a bit of organisation. Someone keeps pulling it mm, along. Okay. So, you know, someone, if they really want to... So, in one of our groups, we need some merchandise to sort of get some fundraising stuff. And I was like, okay, right, I'll uh, go get some pins made. That's my, that's my job. And I went out, I did it did that all that, then came back to his meeting saying, right, I've done the pins, that's sorted. And it's a case of, like, you take ownership of your, you know, you take responsibility for tasks mm-hmm. and you do them. But it's not a case of, right, I am the leader of all the pins. Yeah. I'm not, I just did this with <laughs> a group. Right. Whereas, and then someone else was like, oh, okay, so we need some t-shirts done, right, okay. So then they went and did the t-shirts, and, you know, using their own kind of self-initiation like, mm-hmm. to do that. So you can take charge and just do things, you know, on, on your own cord. That's mm-hmm. that's part of, you know, you what to does... bring stuff to the community, but it's not saying... There is no one person who's more valued, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, so a lot of looking at different roles and their functions, yeah. but not necessarily placing one on top of the other, or yeah, one yeah, is exactly. more important than the other. Yeah. So what then does that mean for Muslim women, mm. or Muslim feminists, yeah. um, who, like a lot of, speaking from, mm. my, um, from myself now, mm. uh, a lot of my understanding of Islam, who I am mm. as a person, my family, my mm. purpose in the world, is based on hierarchical roles. Yeah. And the idea that, for example, my father was the head of our household, mm. my mother was his most devoted supporter, um, we were there to do what he said, um, and then even non-family stuff, like among my... at work, for example, mm. I can't... Or even with the inclusive mosque, where I volunteer... Mm. I haven't been able to ever think of it not, like, without a leader. We have a chairperson, Halima, and as far as I understand it, I don't know if she understands mm-hmm. it this way, but her she makes fine decision. Mm-hmm. And also the buck stops with her. Like, she has to take responsibility for stuff mm-hmm. if it goes wrong or whatever, and that's a big, it's a big responsibility. Mm-hmm. And it does sort of give her authority because she's she can well claim, if she chooses to, at the end of the day, guys it's going to be me that has to answer why we didn't get that funding or why we didn't 
um, come through with that event or why we put, put, you know, poured resources into this thing that didn't work out and that that's public donations, people are trusting her mm-hmm. with their money, that sort of stuff. It feels like all of that is, is a lot based on authority and, and I mean, hierarchy. When you think of it in that context, let's say she would have that voice, but I wouldn't say she was in charge because she'd always consult the rest of the board. Also, at the same time, if you saw someone, right, okay, we're going to, we want a paddling pool, we're going to put all our money into having a pool in the garden, and you're like, you know, you, if you realise that was a wrong thing to do with, like, any money, you, you, you would speak up, but and then your, your voice will be valued just as much. In that sense, I mean, I don't. Yeah, no, that is. I think, actually. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And she would have every right to to turn around to the rest of the board and yeah. say, "Why didn't you stop me?" Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there's that accountability to each other. Yeah. And I think that's where it becomes sort of anarchism. And the fact that she's not CEO of Inclusive Mosque, right. it's it's a chair, which is a sort of transitionary kind of people come in and out of that position. Yeah. And um. I mean, I don't think it's... Compl- there is a sort of essence of uh, authority and hierarchy. But I think in some situations like this, where, you know, you've got you've to play by certain rules, you've got to get funding through certain channels, it's not grassroots in, in the sense that, you know, you can afford to be non-hierarchical and don't need that accountability because you don't need to be, you know... You know, mm. fits, you know, I don't know, you've got funders and stuff, you've got other people to be answering to in other junctions. So it's quite different in that sense. Um... I mean, a lot of stuff I'm sort of referring to these small knit anarchist groups, so we don't necessarily have anyone to answer to about ourselves and we can mm-hmm. sort of do it on our own back. Whereas here, because there's just certain factors, I think to get that stuff done, you do need a little bit of structure, you do need a little bit of that. And I think a lot of it depends on the people as well. I think if you're inher- if inherently your politics are anarchist and your, your politics are non-hierarchical in your, in your heart, that translates in the way that you practice. Despite the fact you might have a chair, I'm pretty sure... I don't. I don't imagine Helena being quite authoritarian and like. Yeah, I mean, you've I worked, am you've the worked, chair. Like, <laughs> you've worked with us before. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. Great. It didn't feel. It didn't feel like. You've been to our board meetings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it didn't feel like that in any way, and I right. think there was. Everyone had a voice, and I don't know when you were sat there, no one was sort of like mm-hmm. in charge. And I think was something I'm realizing yeah. through this discussion, even mm-hmm. pre the brunch <laughs> in this little preliminary <laughs> podcast, yeah. is that I associate structure with authority. Yeah. Um, and I associate an- anarchism mm-hmm. with chaos. Yeah. But they can be structured within of anarchism. Yeah, yeah, of course. And um, it's about re- redefining our idea of what structure is. Yeah. And structure isn't a hierarchy. Structure can be... Um, if you imagine, like, hexagons, it's like, yeah. like a honeycomb. Imagine right. that. That's a structure. But no one hexagon is on top of the other. Like, it's not like a, a pinnacle sort of thing. Yeah. That's we all, we, yeah, we, it's not a triangle where you have a, yeah, t- yeah, a top, top point. Yeah, and then right. someone's built all of that based on their work, whereas like a honeycomb structure, everyone's sort of built together and all of, everyone holds each other together. Mm. You lose one little cell and it's, it's, not, it's not the same. Does that make yeah. sense? I'm thinking inevitably, when we bring this up in an mm-hmm. Islamic context, as we're going to do oh, on Saturday, yeah. that... That was my brain. <laughs> <laughs> that... We, we, the topic of scholars is going to mm. come up, a scholarly interpretation and yeah. who holds authority over the interpretation of the Qur'an mm. and the Hadith um, and the story of the Prophet And I think that you know, the brunch isn't going to be used to promote any one point of view. Mm. It's going to be used to explore different ways of looking at all of these things. Mm. And inclusive mosque doesn't really preach any kind of anything other than inclusivity. Mm-hmm. Um, and we preach that very gently anyway. <laughs> but, That's a fluffy inclusivity. <laughs> yeah, so we only preach inclusivity militantly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're very gently, gentle and cuddly about inclusivity. Mm. But um, there, there, that's like a... When you talk about 
structure mm-hmm. and a lack of hierarchy, mm-hmm. a scholarly interpretation is going to come into it. And I think people, and myself, are going to be wondering, um, how does that work then? If you were to, just theoretically for now, yeah. we're not like launching it. <laughs> <We're not laughs> Full launching. anarchism now. Yeah. Um, but... It, just thinking about theoretically, what does that look like for scholarly interpretation then? If you said, okay, there's no hierarchy and we're not going to look necessarily at whose voice was the strongest or who was there the longest or yeah. um, you know, where somebody studied, but mm. rather look at different interpretations mm. so that they are on an equal level and strengthen each other, like yeah. in your hexagon example. I don't know, I'm, I'm blurting out thoughts here. Yeah, I guess yeah. my question is, how, how does that apply to that kind of religious scriptural Mm. understanding yeah I think that's really interesting also going back to maybe the point you said of how when we grow up you know you live in that kind of patriarchal house or like you answer to your dad and that's just that culture and that kind of that comes from our faith and stuff as well like how it all plays in I think um, I think especially when it comes to scholar stuff you have you can't kind of um, I don't know you can't disregard everything that's not we won't get anywhere I think, like you say, you have to sort of, I don't know, for me, right, Islamic kind of anarcho-feminism would be self-governance. You go, you read everything and anything, and then you decide, right, this one feels right to me, this piece speaks to me, this is my Islam, and then that's it. Even if you do do agree with, like, the mainstream narrative, well, you don't, it doesn't matter, because you've made that conscious decision, you've made that conscious choice to self-govern your faith. That's, that's what I feel is like anarcho-feminism inherently, or anarchy. And I think what's interesting about this... Also, oh, Sorry, go on. No, I, also, I read somewhere briefly, I haven't looked into it, I might look into it properly before the brunch, but there were, like, um, during the time of the Prophet, there was there, there was a group, and I'll, again, I'll check the names before the brunch, um, and they organised a... What was the word again? Oh, but they sort of almost something where they boycotted rulers, mm-hmm. and that was a direct action. That was sort of a self-organized kind of grassroots move, like movement against authority, mm-hmm. and that was done, but you know, within the umbrella of Islam. Yeah, and I think things like that, where you you know, I'm, we're not bringing anything new to the table. I'm not pulling out this. Oh, look at this amazing thing called anarchism. Yeah. Inherently, a lot of things within our faith, I think, are probably already anarchistic to, to, to an extent I think it's just I don't know I think I came I understood anarchism I didn't really understand my faith so when I understood my faith I started applying this word to that because I didn't know what it was mm-hmm. if it happened the other way around I understood my faith and then I understood anarchism I'm like oh mate but we already had it in the Quran anyway yeah. a lot of things they cross over so much and I don't think it's us kind of reinventing anything it's just about us finding parallels between these two schools of thought and they've always been there um, I think that act of looking back at history as well, whatever yeah. understanding of the life of the prophet or mm. the people at his time and after that, mm. whatever understanding you have, you have to be aware that there are opposing mm. views and different yeah. understandings. Yeah. So, like, raking back through all our history, and mm. it's so important to know all the different perspectives of where we came from mm. and how we got here. Uh, I feel like that in itself is a little bit anarchist because we're not... Mm-hmm. It, I mean, if you do it that way, then yeah, you're yeah. not kind of subscribing to one structure and one version mm. of history. You're saying Definitely. there are multiple accounts of this. Exactly. And I think also that old saying where like, history is only written by the winners or whatever. Yeah. And also, we're always looking at it through quite a certain contextualised kind of view. Mm-hmm. And um, I think coming back more to the feminism point, like 
a lot of our faith is meant to take to us by, by men. And when you read something through as a man, when you read something, you will always interpret it, interpret it in, <laughs> in that view. And when it hasn't been sort of considered from a woman's point of view, how certain, you know, it's just a completely different angle. And it's not, it's not a different interpretation. I mean, it's not a diff- I suppose it is a different interpretation because it's only ever been interpreted by a man. So, like, you know, it's, it's yeah. completely, it's a, t- it's a little shift in their prism yeah. when you look at things. And, th- and that's that kind of game-changing. And I think for me that makes faith accessible. I, I want to hear my faith from, from a woman, from someone that understands all these sort of nuances. Of, yeah, and even if you that. don't want to look at it through a strictly gendered lens, yeah. but you just, whatever lens you yeah, choose yeah. to look at it through, like race or... Is that yeah, or, yeah. or, or, or any, any form of intersection? Yeah, yeah. And then then you'll realise the gaps as well, and say, mm. well, look how many interpretations are there from Black Muslims, yeah. and what are the gaps missing in that history, mm. and why why aren't we looking at people who, um, you know, former slaves who experienced yeah. the Trans-Saharan slave trade, yeah, and their understanding of Islam and it being all the things that it mm. is to them. That those are gaps missing in mainstream interpretation of Islam as it is in the UK today. So yeah. that those are definitely missing. Of course. Um, so the point was that going mm. back and making it through all that history and looking yeah, at yeah. those gaps is about identifying... You, you said, yeah. I want a woman to kind of ex- yeah, for me explain and yeah, to, yeah. to express a voice that I can listen to yeah. about that. So, yeah, so... I don't want to say picking our scholars, but like being but being no, no, discerning it's, but, but about it's not whose our view. Scholars, it's your scholar in that sense. What I mean, do you mean? Like a lot, it's this self governance about how you govern your faith and what you choose to right. look into and find. And every single person does that to an extent. No one blindly follows. You choose. Well, yeah, but no, you choose to you, choo- you choose to follow the main the, the, you know the mainstream narrative. Okay, well these are the right scholars and this is what they've said to me. You choose that. You make that decision, right? Even if it's by what's the word. Mm-hmm. Um, by exclusion, even if you say, yeah, I choose yeah, not yeah. to listen exactly. to you. Exactly, but that's, that's a conscious self-governing decision yeah. you have made. Therefore, if I choose to, you know, focus on these three, that, that's yeah. not picking and choosing. That's just me finding the right voice for what I need to, like, need to hear to understand. And then I might go and look at everything, or I might feel, actually, this speaks to me enough. Mm. And we all do that. I don't think that's picking and choosing. I don't think that's... Cause I think everyone does, and I think there's the idea of oh no, you you know you're pick and choose Islam. I'm like, well, so do you. If you're saying that, you've picked, yeah. you've, you've picked and choose a certain way of looking at Islam, and therefore you're saying that to me. Yeah, I think this is one of the reasons that uh, we wanted to discuss this with the inclusive mosque mm. in the first place is because yeah. it's becoming painfully obvious, mm-hmm. even if, if it wasn't before already, that. When people say Islam says, yeah. they're really saying my understanding yeah. of Islam yeah, says. Yeah, or what I feel Islam says. Yeah, or and that is my, yeah. an element of self-governance or self-determination. Yeah, yeah. But, but so but giving it, it to this kind of abstract I think, theology yeah. is not... It's, I don't know, it feels like you're the opposite mm-hmm. of self-governance. Yeah, like yeah. saying I I'm being governed by this by, thing yeah, and yeah. it says... I think, yeah, that's a good point, is in the sense that, okay, so they have made the conscious decision to do blah, mm-hmm. you know, go on through it, but when they're projecting those views, almost, like aggressively onto someone else then no that's not self-governance that's not you're not allowing someone else to make that decision therefore yeah i could say right okay i believe in this and then you can say your view and then that's fine i let you govern yourself and i let me govern myself but yeah we're all in that little hexagon together yeah as I opposed guess. to you're wrong and then the moment you say you're wrong you're dictating the hierarchy because i am right and you are wrong above here and that's yeah. when the hierarchy comes back in that's when the authoritarian voice starts taking shape I mean, there definitely are harder questions to ask, and I know we're yeah. going to bring these up on Saturday. Yeah. But 
I'm sure, and this was kind of the next thing I wanted to ask you about is mm-hmm. what, what else do you think is going to come up at the weekend? Um, and mm. I definitely think that there's going to be stuff around what happens when your view directly harms my existence. Or, and not just Ooh, my view, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, if you think that it's right to do something destructive mm-hmm. and that's just your view, yeah. but the thing you're destroying is me. Yeah, then, yeah, exactly. Then, then, and I know that's authority and hierarchy, yeah. but... So what does that mean then at that point? Do yeah, you just yeah, dismiss yeah. it? Do you just say, well, one of us has to be wrong? Well, I don't know. It's sort of like saying, uh, like, the whole freedom of speech thing. You know, everyone says, everyone's got the freedom to, to say whatever, but yeah. no, when it becomes destructive, like, like you said, yeah. the hierarchy comes back in together, and then you, that's not self-governance, that's oppression. Yeah. And that, that isn't anarchism. That's the other like on the other side um i think it's community focused you help your, you know there's a lot of solidarity and comradeship within that and if and if you, your voice or whatever how you choose to sort of play your politics oppresses someone else that's not that's not comradely that's the yeah. opposite of that so this is interesting because i think what you're saying is self-governance comes from a place of support yeah yeah or self-governance in the anarcho-feminist mm. interpretation not, comes from yeah. a place of support and well, yeah, I think so, and I think also it's um, it's not like a, a like narcissistic, hedonistic. Let's just go out, and, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. I think it's far from that. I think that's sort of the this I, that that idea when you said oh, it's anarchy, that's it's chaos. Cartoon, yeah, that it's cartoon not, idea. Yeah, yeah, anarchy. and it's not. It's not. Mm. That's I don't know. I think it's far, far from that. It's sort of like I don't know. I wouldn't even call that anarchy. I'd just call that I don't know, whatever. It's caricature. Yeah, caricature. Mm, yeah, that's the word. I think a lot of what's going to be discussed, and I mentioned it in some mm. of the comms and social media stuff that we mm. already put out there through the newsletter, is this accusation of, well, you're cherry-picking Islam, mm-hmm. you're just picking the bits that suit that you. Like, that you like and they sound good and make them Yeah, up. and that make it... Yeah. And I think the, the big misconception about cherry-picking is that we're cherry-picking stuff that makes our lives easier, Yeah. which that's not... I know a lot of yeah. people who make, make choices yeah, that actually yeah, yeah, make their yeah. lives very hard. Definitely. And also, anarchism is probably, like, the hardest one you could choose. Because at least with, with the hierarchy, I'd be like, well, let's go, I'll work my way up and I'll be the top. Yeah. That, that, that would or, make my life easier. Or, as I was talking yeah. about when I mentioned um, structures within organisations, yeah. passing the buck and saying, yeah, yeah. well, I'll subscribe to this hierarchy because it means... And my place within this hierarchy yeah. because it means that if it's wrong or I screw up, yeah. someone else gets the blame. Um, so like that, accountability yeah. And like, yeah. so I think cherry picking is definitely going to come up on Saturday and I also I raised this on the Facebook mm-hmm. page um, are there essentially are there mm-hmm. communal solutions to communal problems and or is this all about individualism and I think we covered a little bit about that mm-hmm. here definitely when we talk about mutual support and that mm-hmm. hexagonal structure that mm-hmm. um, you know people existing side by side and mm-hmm. being supportive to one another mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I would really like to hear everyone else's views on what that looks like, and Definitely. what does that mean for diaspora communities? Mm. If you're you hail from a country of heritage that is very far away from this one, mm-hmm. and the what's ex- being experienced by feminists over there is entirely mm. different to what's being experienced by feminists over mm. here, but you share that so DNA link or that yeah. cultural link or mm. that historical link, what does that mean? How do you support each other? hexagonally or yeah, yeah, yeah. laterally exactly. without Im- it invoking a hierarchy mm. that probably pre-exists because mm. of the kind of stature that feminism in the West has, which is yeah. that it's the quote-unquote right feminism. Yeah. Um, and it's the one that is best understood and most refined and mm. all of these kind of absolute misconceptions. 
so I think I would like if no one brings it up on Saturday I'm going <laughs> to bring it up on yeah, Saturday yeah. <laughs> I think what would also be nice is how I think maybe if everyone could have to think about how they self-govern and even the tiny lacks of self-governance that they have i.e. whether it's their body whether it's you know like I think one example I'd give like my job my job is inherently feminist inherently anarchist because and I think I'll explain more on like yeah. um, on the branch as to why but that's my kind of Islamic active feminism almost and I was wondering if anyone else had these lacks of what they would now consider a resistance or an like anarchist sort of approach and I think that'd be really kind of I don't know have a, have a thing bring them over definitely and I think also oh, I don't want to fall into like cliches but yeah. I feel like dress code is going to come up yeah yeah and course. I think it's good because this is actually something we're, we're discussing internally at the mm. inclusive mosque at the moment which is about whether we should have a dress code or mm. not have a dress code. As and there are lots of a dress code for... For Juma and for prayer events. Because mm-hmm. at the moment, we, we don't... I don't smart think, Well, we don't... <laughs> Diamond, white ties. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But we don't enforce any kind of dress yeah. code. The reality of our Juma is that we don't enforce any kind of dress yeah. code, but we're looking at all kinds of different understandings of mm. how that should work and... There's definitely a lot of different voices. Yeah. Some some of him are saying very strongly, absolutely, we should not. People have the right to self-govern. Yeah, yeah. But these are all up for discussion. This is my point. Yeah, like no one's come to a conclusion really about it. Yet. I think, yeah, yeah but I definitely want to talk about that. I was I was trying to hold myself back, but I'm like, no, mate, we've already gone like over. <laughs> we we did good. We got like 20 minutes before the word hijab came up. Yeah, so yeah. So that's remarkable. Work. High five. Muslim feminist. Well done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so hopefully we'll see you all on Saturday. Um, there should be a ticket link in, in, in the description. Yeah, yeah in the description yeah. to this podcast. Um, also, if you want to tweet us, hashtag Brunch or our Twitter handle is at Inclusive Mosque, and you can find us on Facebook by just putting Inclusive Mosque into the search bar. We'll put links in the description as well to all that. But yes, we will do. Yeah, I would love to hear the discussion. Yeah, and if you're listening to this via our newsletter, please do forward it on to your friends <laughs> and encourage them to subscribe. Um, and hopefully we'll see you all on Saturday at 11am.